welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson takes us through Galatians 4. God is not asking you or expecting you to be good. He desires that you keep in step with the Spirit. This message relates why your good is no good. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. We are continuing our series entitled In Step, and it's based on Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, that says, since we live in the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, we know that the Spirit is the one that lives in us. It's God in us. So that when we give our life to Christ, commit our life to Jesus Christ, the Spirit comes and resides in us at that moment of salvation and conversion. We've defined keeping in step as moving in sync with the Holy Spirit under the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've also defined it as being connected to and being dependent upon the Spirit. So this series, we're talking about this concept of how we can keep in step with the Spirit. Last week, we talked about walking in freedom and how we can step freely uh, from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. He set us free so that we would walk in that freedom, and we walk in that freedom as we stay connected and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to talk about another practical application about what it looks like and what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. And this, this it, it may sound contradictory to some other things we may say. It may sound counterintuitive. That it, as we get into it, it may sound a little confusing to you at the onset. You may not even agree with it as we kind of start walking through this process. So what I'm going to ask is that you hang with me. Don't doze off. Don't take a nap halfway through. If you do, you may think I said something that I really didn't say. Uh, so hopefully we can bring it all together when we get to the end here. Um, I'm sure you've either seen this on a commercial or a show. Maybe it's happened in real life to you. Maybe you're the one that actually did this and said this. But, you know, when somebody's doing something goofy or crazy or they have an accident or something, they just, they go tumbling and you think, man, this guy's toast. They have just wiped out royal. So you're about to go help them and all of a sudden you hear them say, I'm good. You know, sometimes they'll jump right up after they did something crazy. No, I'm good, I'm good. Sometimes they're still laying down in a hole somewhere, but you'll hear them, I'm good. What are they saying? They're saying, hey, I'm good. I don't need any help. I've got this. Don't come do anything for me. I've got it under control. I can handle this all by myself. I'm good. In that context, here's the title of this message this morning. Your good is no good. In the context of, hey, I'm good, I've got it, I've got it all in control, your good is no good. I want to look at a few passages here that'll help set the context for us, lay some of the groundwork and the framework. The first one's in Galatians chapter 4. We pick it up in verse 8, and Paul says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you 
that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. What he's saying is before you knew Christ, you're living in the flesh, you're walking in the flesh and you're actually enslaved to those who aren't really gods, to your own flesh, to the enemy. But you gave your life to Christ. You started in the context of Galatians, walking in the spirit, keeping in step with the spirit and the spirit is working in you. But then all of a sudden now you've shifted back to this flesh and this works mentality that I can do this on my own and I'm good enough. And Paul's saying, man, you're, you're trying hard to be good and do all this stuff externally. I, I think I've, I've missed the mark with you. Go to, to uh, verse 28 in the same context. In this portion of the chapter, Paul's talking about Abraham who had a son Isaac by Sarah. He also had a son Ishmael from a lady named Hagar. It's in this context that he says in verse 28, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but we are of the free woman. In other words, you have Ishmael, who is all about the ordinary way, the flesh, if you will, the works mentality, the I can do it, versus Isaac, who is the one of the promise, the one of the spirit. And he's saying, you guys are like Isaac, supposed to be spirit-led rather than flesh-led. One more passage, chapter 6, verse 12. Paul says, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. What he's saying again here is this idea of the flesh. It means nothing. It may have a, a good outward appearance, but it really means nothing. The only thing that means anything is this dynamic of a new creation, what the Spirit of God is doing in us and through us. All of this lays the groundwork and the framework for, for what I want to talk about, this concept that you're good is no good. It's laying a foundation between flesh and the Spirit between works and grace, between a goodness hope to be attained by my efforts versus a righteousness that is attained through the work of what the Spirit is doing inside of us. It's this idea of I'm gonna rely on myself versus I'm gonna rely on the Spirit. Or let me say it this way, good versus God. In that context, we have to beware of the double O, good versus God. Let me talk about this concept of, of good. Here I've got what's gonna represent good. It represents your good. And this good is, is, is what we're talking about of, hey, I'm good, I got it, I don't need any help. That's what we're talking about here, you're good. This concept is good. We have those that are trying to be good. What we talked about in the title is that our good is no good. It works in a couple of ways. Some people have said to themselves, they've convinced, convinced themselves that, hey, I'm good. And when they look around to other people, 
and they begin to compare themselves to other people. Maybe they give, have an argument and they say, hey, compared to others, I am good. So they've convinced themselves of this goodness. Others have said, I'm trying to be good so that God will accept me, that God will love me. So if I can be good enough, God's gonna receive me unto himself. So they're going through life either thinking that they're good or trying to be good so that they can be received by God. In their attempt to be good, what they wanna do to try to convince themselves that they're good is they want to do good. They start to do things. In other words, they're gonna say, I'm gonna prove how good I am by doing good things. And if I do good things, that's gonna validate my goodness and it's gonna show everybody how good I am. What's the converse to this? What's the opposite of this? It's what we're gonna call today God. There's this difference in God and good. This statement might be radical to some of you. It might be new to you. Maybe you've not thought about it in this context. But God has not called us to be good. God has called us into a relationship with himself. He has called us to yield our lives to the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. The goal of the Christian life is not to pursue good. It's not to be good. The goal of the Christian life is to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not about trying to be good. Instead, it's trusting in the Spirit. If we go back to this concept of good, we see this concept of good in all through Scripture in a variety of places. Remember, we're talking about the good that says, hey, I'm good, I can do this all by myself. I'm good in my flesh. We see this in scripture. In Matthew chapter 24, we see it with the, excuse me, Matthew chapter 23, we see it with the Pharisees. Remember, the Pharisees are the religious elite. They are the devout. They are the keepers of the law. And they kept the law better than anybody else. Externally, they had this appearance of being very good. But when Jesus confronts them in Matthew 23, what does he say about them? He says, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You're full of dead men's bones. What's happened? They had this facade of good, but there's nothing going on on the inside of their life. So their goodness has actually become a facade that has hidden their sinful nature. It hasn't redeemed their sinful nature. They're still doing everything through the flesh. We see it played out with the Pharisees again in Luke chapter 18. You may remember this story. A Pharisee and a tax collector come together to pray. And so the, tax, the, the Pharisee prays first and he's so good and he starts to pray, God, I'm paraphrasing, God, I'm so good. I'm glad I'm not like this adulterer. I'm glad I'm not like this evil person. I'm glad I'm not like this other bad person. I'm really glad that I'm not like this tax collector. Thank you, God, that I'm so good. Then the tax collector comes up and prays, and we know if you know that story, the tax collector is the one that's justified. He's the one that really receives. Why? Because the Pharisee had convinced himself that he was good. Luke chapter 10, we see the story of the Good Samaritan. You remember that story? This, this guy's beaten, and he's kind of left on the side of the road for dead. So it's a Levite and this uh, priest come on one side, and they won't help, won't help the guy. Why? Because they're too good. And if they help this guy, it's gonna mess up their good because part of their good was to have this cleansing and they're going to do their task in, in, the, in, the, in the church. And so they're too good if they 
help this guy, they're gonna mess up the good and they gotta go do some cleansing. So they've convinced themselves that they're good, but it's all this external. What we see in all these passages is this concept of I'm good, I can handle it. And it's all this flesh-driven, works-driven mentality. Why is our good no good? Because it's of the flesh. Now we tend to think when we talk about the flesh, we look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it gives us a list of the works of the flesh. We tend to think when we talk about the flesh, it has to be gross and disgusting and despicable and it's all this awful stuff that we do in the flesh. And that's what we tend to think of the flesh. But really the flesh is anything that we do in the flesh. It's anything that we do in our own power and our own strength. It may even look really good to us. It may have qualities and aspect that appear good, but it's not good because it's all generated from ourself. Anything generated from ourself is no good in kingdom work, in the kingdom spirit. Why? Let me give you six reasons why your good is no good. Number one, because your good nullifies grace. In Galatians 5, 4, it says, you who are trying to be justified by law. In other words, those of you that are trying to be good, those of you that have convinced yourself that you're good in and of yourself, you're being justified by law, you've fallen away from grace. Why? Because you've trusted in yourself instead of grace. Good nullifies grace because what it says is to the spirit, hey, I'm good, I don't need any help, I've got this, it's all under control. And so we're telling the spirit, hey, I'm good, so I don't need your grace. Number two, your good counters authenticity. See, when I convince myself that I'm good in and of myself, then I'm gonna try to convince you that I'm good. And I wanna display this image that I'm good, just like the Pharisees did. So to keep this facade that I'm good, I've gotta stay good so I can't let anyone see anything that's not good. So I'm gonna be inauthentic with myself, with you, with, with God, because I have to maintain this image of goodness. I can't let anything that I would consider bad to be exposed, because now I can't convince myself that I'm good. So it counters authenticity. Your good stunts growth. Galatians 5, 7 says you were running a good race, and who cut in on you? It's a good word picture, in other words, in, in context of Galatians, these people didn't know Christ, they received Christ, and so once they were trying to get to God through their own goodness, through their works, now they received Christ, and the context is now they're keeping in step with the Spirit. They're walking in the Spirit, they're yielding to the Spirit, and God's doing some amazing works in their life, and they're growing spiritually. But then these Judaizers come back and they say, hey, this doesn't work, you have to be good. And so some of these Galatians have bought into that and they said, okay, I guess I was doing it wrong. I've gotta come back here to the flesh and be good again. And so Paul says, you just stunted your growth. And at the moment we say, spirit, I don't need you, I can do it on my own, we, we stop growing. Those of you that uh, maybe uh, have played athletics, you know a lot about coaching, who, who would you think would be the people that coaches least want on their team, the, the, the worst player on the team that they don't want to have on their team. You know who it is? Some of you are probably thinking, well, it's the, it's the worst player. They don't want anybody that can't play. That's not it. You know who it is? It's the uncoachable ones. 
It's the unteachable ones. It's the ones on the team that said, hey, I'm good, I don't need any help. I'm as good as I'm gonna get. They may actually be good players, but the coach doesn't want them on the team because they know they're never gonna grow. They've already decided they're good and they've plateaued. Same thing happens spiritually. When we depend on our own goodness, when we say, hey, I'm good, we've stunted our growth at that time because we told the spirit, I don't need to grow. Number, number four, you're good breeds arrogance. That's what happened to the Pharisees. You start to look at everybody else and say, hey, I'm, so, I'm really good. And so we become very arrogant people. But number five, this one's interesting. You're good impacts evangelism. It impacts our ability to connect with those that don't know Christ. One example is, if I'm convinced I'm good, I look at those without Christ, I may get in my heart and mind, they're not good, they're bad. And I'm so good, I don't wanna hang out with those that are bad. So it, 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 it keeps us from even wanting to go into that scenario and be around bad people because we're too good. Sometimes that bleeds the other way and those without Christ look at us and they see this inauthenticity, they see this facade of goodness and they know it's not real, they can see right through it. And so they say, I don't want anything to do with that. If that's what Christianity looks like, I don't need that. But it may actually cause us to preach a non-gospel. And the non-gospel says, hey, if you wanna know Christ, you've gotta be good. God's calling you to be good. So if you'll be good enough, you can come to Christ. And so we start laying on them this essence and this mindset that they have to be good in order to be worthy to come to Christ. And so we start preaching a non-gospel and we create these barriers and start preaching that stuff that's not even true. But here's the sixth reason. And this one's interesting to me. That is your good cannot produce fruit. If you look in Galatians 5, you see two lists. Verses 19 through 21, you see a list of works of the flesh. 22 through 23, you see a list of the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what's interesting to me about this. Our flesh can only produce flesh. The works of our flesh can only produce the works of the flesh. Even if those works look good, it can only produce flesh. There's no spiritual value. There's no kingdom context. There's no eternal consequence to what we're doing because they're works of the flesh. But in contrast, only the spirit can produce fruit. It's called the fruit of the spirit. It's not called the fruit of the Christian. It's the fruit of the spirit. The spirit produces the fruit. All we can do is bear the fruit. So if my life is wrapped up in my own goodness, everything is my effort, it's my works, I can do this, I don't need you, God. All that's the work of the flesh. It doesn't matter how good that looks, it's still the works of the flesh. Only the Spirit can produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We bear it, and that happens as we yield to the Spirit. Now, you may be saying right off, Daryl, I don't believe that because I know people that aren't spirit people. I know people that don't know Christ. They don't even claim to know Christ. They love. They've got joy. I think they have peace. I see patience in them. I think you're right. 
but not to the level of what the Spirit does in us. The Spirit produces the fruit in such a capacity, in such an extreme amount that it it overwhelms what happens even in the natural. It's a, a love that's an agape love, that this willful love that loves like God. It's a joy that is in our spirit in the worst of circumstances that we still have. It's a peace that Scripture says passes all understanding. The fruit of the Spirit is a type of fruit that we can only experience and bear as we yield ourselves to the Spirit. And when we have the attitude that my good is good enough, we do everything through the flesh and through the works, we're not gonna produce fruit because we can't produce fruit. We can only bear it. Now, I may be confusing you a little bit. Let's see if I can bring it to a point here. You remember the day when bad meant bad? I don't know when that was. At some point, bad started to mean good too. So if somebody said, man, that's bad. Okay, is it bad or is it good? I'm a little confused. Used to, if you call somebody a freak or stupid, that was an insult. Now if you say, man, that dude's a freak. I mean, that's a compliment. So... If you're a freak or you're stupid, or is that a compliment or an answer? I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Maybe this is a little confusing. So I want to be sure that you hear what I'm not saying, okay? I'm not saying that good is bad. I'm not saying that bad is good. I'm not saying that God wants you to be bad. I'm not saying that as a Christian, you can do whatever you want to do because you're not supposed to be good. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying very simply is your good is no good. Your good is no good. What I'm saying is there's a difference in good and God. Good and God are not synonymous. We can be good people, but not be God people. We can live a good life, we can have good morals, we can be a good citizen, we can have a good lifestyle, we can even be religiously devout and our heart be far from God. I can be a good person and not know God. I can know God and not be good yet. I don't look good yet. We can have good ideas, but they not be God ideas. You see that in scripture. Paul wanted to go to Asia to preach the gospel. The spirit said, no, I want you to go the other direction. It was a good idea. Paul had a good idea, but it wasn't a God idea. If you remember when Peter cut off the ear of the soldier when Jesus is being arrested, that's a good idea. I mean, you want to, Protect your king, right? But Jesus said, hey, don't do that. It was a good idea, but it wasn't a God idea. We see this also with Acts when uh, the, the disciples are waiting in the upper room for Pentecost, for the Spirit to come. They're supposed to be waiting for the Spirit to come. They decide they're gonna select another disciple to replace Judas. They thought that was a good idea. It wasn't a God idea. You never hear that disciple again. Why? Because Paul was going to be the next apostle. It seemed like a good idea, but it's not a God idea. 
Gideon thought he had a really good idea when he went to go fight the Midianites. He thinks a good idea is to get as many in the army as you possibly can. The more, the merrier. God said, that's not a God idea. You're gonna do it with 300 people. So we can have good ideas, but they're not God ideas. And the deal is, God doesn't want us coming up with our ideas. <laughs> God doesn't wanna say, God, I've got a great idea. This is what I wanna do and this is what I'm gonna do. That's not what he wants. He wants us to be yielded to his control and his power where he bursts those things in us. We can be a good church and not be a God church. Last week I said, I have no desire to be religious, but I do desire to be free. In that same context, I don't want us to be a good church. I want us to be a God church. Who, is, who are under the control of the Spirit, where we are moving in sync and under the control and the power of the Spirit. Listen, your good is not good enough. You know why your good is no good? Your good is no good because you don't have enough good to be good enough. Let me say that again. If you wanna remember one thing, remember this one thing. Your good is no good because you don't have enough good to be good enough. Isaiah 64, 6 says, our righteous acts, all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even the best of the best, even the best stuff that we can do, even the best that we can be, even in our own righteousness, even the best is like filthy rags when it's in the context of the kingdom. So here's what I'm saying. Your good is not good enough for salvation. Maybe there's someone here this morning that you don't have a relationship with Christ and maybe in your mind and in your heart you've been saying, man, I really would like to have a relationship with God, but I'm just not good enough. And so I'm gonna keep working hard and I'm gonna try hard and I'm gonna be good and as soon as I feel like I'm good enough, then I'll come and say, God, will you accept me? Will you receive me? Your good will never be good enough. But it doesn't have to be. That's what grace is all about. In while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to be good. You just come to him as you are and say, God, I need you in my life. Now, many of you get that. Many of you would say, yeah, I know that. I know I'm not good enough for salvation. But there's a second dynamic here. Your good is not good enough to live a victorious, powerful, effective life. Christian life. And this is where we mess up sometimes. This is where the Galatians started messing up. They got on this path when they gave their life to Christ and they're on this path of keeping in step with the Spirit where they're yielding to the Spirit and they're growing and they're flourishing and they're powerful and they're fruitful. But for some reason they shift and they begin to depend on their own goodness again and their own works again and their own efforts again. And we can make the same mistake. We can say, yes, I've given my life to Christ through faith and I know I'm not good enough. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me the way I am. And we do that and we grow and we prosper. But at some point, we get back in our mind and back in our spirit that I can do this by myself, that I'm good enough by myself. I can do the works by myself and we get back in the flesh and we say, I'm good. Spirit, I'm good, I don't need your help, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And what I'm trying to say is, our good's not good enough. So, what's the solution? 
What can we do to nullify this temptation that we have to be good enough? Well, Paul uses the word crucify. Three times in Galatians, he tells us to crucify that sinful nature. That means to render it powerless. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in faith. The Son of God who loved me gave his life for me. In other words, I'm living in the power of the Spirit. What we have to do to try to negate this temptation to be good and to do it in our own self and our own flesh is to say, I'm gonna crucify my flesh. I'm gonna render it powerless in my life and I'm going to rely upon the Spirit to work in me and to do his good work in me. A lot of times we crucify our flesh but we keep resurrecting it. <laughs> we keep coming back to it. It's innate in us. That's what the flesh wants to do. The flesh wants to control us. The flesh wants to motivate us. The flesh wants us to do it the flesh's way, and that's contrary to the spirit. And what God's trying to say is don't try to be good. Instead, yield your life to the spirit and allow the spirit of God to work in us. Maybe this has happened to some of you. You're, you're doing something, whether it's athletic, uh, maybe it's academic, uh, maybe it's at work and you're trying to get this task, whatever, you're, you're trying to do something, but you're not able to do it. You're just not figuring it out. You're not getting it. And if you have a supervisor or a coach or somebody, you know, talking to you and, and you're saying, man, I can't get this. I'm trying, I'm trying. And so the coach or the supervisor says, well, try harder. That may work in a lot of avenues of life. It doesn't work in the kingdom. It's not about trying harder. It's about trusting more. It's not about my own goodness and I'm gonna try to be good and I'm gonna do all this in my own effort and in my own strength. That's not what it's about. It's about yielding our life to the spirit of God and saying, God, I'm not good. I'm not good enough. I need help. I can't do this. And at that point, when we give the Spirit permission to do His work in us, He transforms us. He begins to produce that fruit in us. And everything we're longing and trying to be, <laughs> unsuccessfully, the Spirit of God bursts in us and through us and we begin to experience his righteousness in us and we allow him to do his good work through us so don't try to work hard to be good trust the spirit and let him do his good work in you would you bow your heads please I don't know your heart this morning, your situation, your mindset. The good news about this message isn't that your good's no good. <laughs> the good thing about this message is it doesn't have to be.
Because if we'll yield to him, he'll do his good work in us. In a moment, we're gonna sing, we're gonna stand. We have some prayer partners that are available around here that would love to pray with you. I don't know specifically what the Spirit wants to speak in your heart. I have no idea where you are. I'm just gonna pray that that you'd be open to hearing whatever God needs to say to you this morning, that you would let him minister to you. Father, may you continue to speak through your spirit. May may we be responsive, receptive. Father, we don't have any agenda here this morning other than allowing you to be you and us. Father, we don't wanna come and just kind of go through a routine of church, go back here in an hour and nothing's different. Father, we want, you're here. We want you to minister to us and to meet with us and to speak to us and to change us. Father, we're not good. But Father, you're good. And you will birth your goodness through us if we'll let you. So continue to speak this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.